Well, greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I'm your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with Brian Collins. Now, the first thing you'll notice about Brian, no doubt, is the fact that he's from Ireland. So if nothing else, enjoy the accent today. Uh, It's always pleasant to hear that brogue. Uh, But I think there's a lot more for you, especially if you're a writer, as Brian hosts a podcast called Become a Writer Today. Uh, He is a writer himself as well, uh, and he's got some interesting things to say. So this one's a little bit for the writers out of there in the audience, uh, though I know that a lot of readers like to peek behind the curtain a little bit. So here's your chance. Uh, But before we talk to Brian, I do need to let you know that Wrong Place Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down and Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it at the darker and grittier end of the spectrum. If that sounds like something that you would enjoy, then uh, check out their website, downandoutbooks.com. That's Down and Out Books, all spelled out, dot com. Down and Out Books, take the journey with us. All right, uh, now without any further ado, let's dive right into our conversation with Brian Collins. Well, hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Frank. Uh, this is the magic of the world we live in today. I'm I'm uh, in central Oregon in the U.S. Uh, as we record this, it's just a few minutes past noon where I am, uh, but you are in the U.K. and Ireland. I'm an hour outside Dublin in Ireland. Yes, I am. So it's evening time here, quite dark. Like, it's like 8 p.m. or a little after 8, right? It is, yes, a little after 8 p.m. So this is the end of the day for me. Crazy. Uh, if you would have told me... 30 years ago that I'd be having a video conversation with uh, an Irishman live, uh, like Star Trek or something, I would have called you crazy. Yeah, the tools have gotten a lot easier for people to use. <laughs> for sure. Uh, and, you know, people can probably hear from uh, the quality of your microphone that one of the things you got going on and how we actually met is that you are a podcaster as well. I am. Yeah, I am. So I interviewed you, Frank, a few months ago for my podcast, which is called Become a writer today um that's also the name of my site so you can look up it on itunes become a writer today or you can just go to that url basically i interview uh authors like like you frank about the writing process and ask for writing tips and see what i can learn and, and try and share my takeaways with listeners and so you don't narrow in on any one particular genre um for instance this show we talk mostly to crime fiction authors but you go across the spectrum nonfiction, fiction and different subgenres of both you know i thought about narrowing on a specific genre but what i found is i just like hearing about how different creatives approach their craft so sometimes i find it's helpful if i interview uh, a lot of genre fiction authors because they know more about storytelling than perhaps I do. Uh, and then sometimes if I'm working on a like a project for for my for my website, I might interview some business authors to figure out how they approach business writing. I also just love hearing how d- different types of writers think about the craft of writing. So yeah, I try to go a bit wider than some other shows. Well, and I would say that the audience of this show is largely made up of uh, readers who like uh, crime fiction, mysteries, thrillers, and authors who, uh, who who write the same. And so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show, in addition to I just had a great time talking to you and 
our roles were reversed and you were the host, is that I think some of the audience members, uh, you know, would really benefit from hearing some of the things that you've learned. And even readers like to get a peek behind the curtain once in a while. So I'll ask you, you know, some of the things about writing are pretty universal. You know, what are some of the things that you've learned in your interviewing journey that have just been revelations that you've been able to apply to your own writing craft? So I've always wanted to earn a living as a writer. And for a while I was a journalist and then I eventually stopped working as a journalist because it's quite a difficult career to earn a living in full time in Ireland. Um, and then I worked as a copywriter for a, a software company. Uh, and then I gradually kind of moved in towards uh, blogging um, full time. Um, but I always wanted to earn a living specifically from books as well, from writing books. And I was always curious about how other authors did it. And what I discovered is some hundred plus interviews in Genre fiction authors earn a living not from one book, but from having a deep back catalog that they can draw upon to sell. So they're not going to quit their job after self-publishing book number one. But when they've self-published book number 10, that's when the royalties really start to accumulate. And that's when, you know, they can go writing full time. And my other key takeaway is that many successful indie authors have more than one income stream. So they may earn from their fiction, but perhaps they also offer coaching or perhaps they have a course if they're writing nonfiction. Um, or perhaps they have, they have some offer on their website. Um, or perhaps they simply use a service like Patreon or Buy Me a Coffee to ask their fans to support them. And specifically with genre fiction authors, they also think beyond Kindle. So they're publishing on Audible, they're publishing on other bookstores, and they're publishing in print. So, so I've tried to kind of embrace that mindset with my own writing, which tends to be more nonfiction, but I've learned a lot from some of the genre fiction authors that I've interviewed. So a deep roster and diversity of revenue streams is what I took from that. Is yes. That and it's, I mean, it's not all about, it, you know, earning money full time from writing. But what I find is if once you start to earn a little bit, you can invest more in your craft so mm -hmm. you can hire an editor mm -hmm. uh, who knows a bit more than maybe a friend or somebody in your local writing group. You can get a better book cover designer. You can invest more in audio production for your audio book. Um, and then you can, you know, release better products that your readers enjoy. Once you do that, it'll start to snowball and accumulate. And then I suppose ultimately the goal for many authors is to do it full time. Um, so it is worthwhile thinking about the creative process if you're writing genre fiction, you know, for a good chunk of the day. But also ask yourself at least once a day, what can I do to build my indie author business in some way? What will help me, you know, advance to the next level? So it could be something as simple as putting a lead magnet on your website or doing a podcast interview like, like this, Frank, or, you know, engaging with some other authors for a book swap or an email promotion or learning the basics of Amazon ads. But, you know, try and do one thing for your craft every day and one thing for your business every day. Yeah, if you're an, an indie author, a lot of people don't really think about it before they dive in, but you are deciding to become an author and a publisher, essentially, and publishing is a business. So you have to approach uh, that part of it with a business mindset. And a big part of business is marketing. And that's what you've just talked about, uh, all of those being ways to reach readers. Now, the the landscape of publishing, particularly independent publishing, you know, it changes fairly rapidly. But keeping that in mind, you know, are there some things that you found readers really appreciate and other things that they're a little more blasé about in hearing from the different authors that you've interviewed? From interviewing the different authors, I find that their readers will be forgiving if you release something and they're, you know, you need to go and fix a typo or a mistake. You can do that quite quickly through indie publishing. But a bigger mistake is to hold back from publishing your work because you're worried about perfectionism. My, the other takeaway from interviewing some of these authors is that, uh, 
the standard for indie books has also gone up. So you still do need to ed- invest in a professional editor and a professional book cover designer. So that's important too. Um, I guess the, the indie authors that I've talked to who are doing a full-time, who've earned the most, um, aren't afraid to take risks. So they're writing across genres. You know, they're pl- planning out multi-arc series in advance. And they also have a direct relationship with their readers. They're not relying just on Amazon. So they tend to have an, an email list um, and they tend to use that email list for providing readers updates about their latest work and their books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't ask you this earlier, but how long have you been uh, podcasting? So I started my podcast about three years ago. I originally started it as a way to uh, generate traffic for my site. I thought it'd be helpful to provide audio versions of blog posts. It turns out I was wrong. That, that well, didn't really get me much downloads. So I said to myself, it would be, you know, what else could I do with the podcast? Because I do like audio interviews like this. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to a lot of audio podcasts and I switched to an interview format. And I kind of naturally settled on a 30-minute format where I ask somebody about who they are, what they're writing, how their writing process works, and what tips they have for readers. Um, and I find that tends to work quite well in terms of downloads and engagement. So I'm about three years into the show at the moment. Is it uh, weekly? To, uh, whenever you get to it, do you, are you on a fixed schedule? Uh, so I tend to batch record the podcast. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll block book, you know, two or three weeks and record um, five or six interviews each week. Um, and then I've experimented with the publication schedule. So I was doing two two days a week. Uh, and at the moment, I'm doing one day a week in terms of publication. Mm-hmm. But I've actually scheduled the podcasts up for the next few months of this year. Um, I, th- I think you follow a s- somewhat similar approach or maybe you, s- you plan out in advance. But I find that's helpful because... You don't, you don't, I, if I'm scrambling to record an episode before publication date, that never works and that's stressful. And also podcasts take a little bit of time to prepare. You've got to research your guest, prepare questions, uh, edit the show, um, and take care of the nuts and bolts of publishing. And while you can do or outsource some of that yourself, it's still expensive. something you need to manage. <laughs> it, can, it can be expensive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, a podcast it. for me will cost approximately $100 per show, maybe 150 could probably get that cost down if I did some of it myself, but I, I like to maybe outsource the editing and the promotion of the show to, to, to other people. So so I do bear that in mind as well. And I like to get transcripts because I, f- I find transcripts are good for accessibility. And personally, I like using transcripts for other people's podcasts. If, they, if a guest said something interesting and I want to get the, the takeaway. Hmm. Um, I've, never, I've never monkeyed really much with transcripts. That's an interesting piece. Now, this all of this podcasting you said initially was to drive uh, traffic towards your site, and at your site uh, you feature uh, several books that you've written. Um, now there's a new one, and I want to get to that last. Um, but uh, you have a little bit of a back catalog, so tell me about the the books uh, that are available on your website and what they're about. Sure. So uh, when I wanted to earn a living from self publishing. I rushed a book out that I was going to self-publish and it was going to be called a uh, handbook for Twitter <laughs> for writers. <laughs> then I decided I didn't want to become the Twitter guy. Uh, so I didn't publish that book. But what I did do was publish a book about productivity for writers. Um, and there was a few mistakes and some editing issues with it because I tried to edit it myself. Subsequently, took that book down and got it professionally edited. And I turned it, the, into, it into a three-part series. So the first one's called um, Yes, You Can Write. The second one's uh, The Savvy Writer's Guide to Productivity. And the third one is called The Art of Nonfiction Writing. So I bundled that up as a series. And I guess that was a takeaway I took from the genre fiction authors I've talked to, you know, create a series. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have a three-part series called The Power of Creativity. Um, and I also have a book about um, productivity at work called This Is Working. Because 
while I was building my site, I was also working as a freelance writer for Forbes. So I wanted to turn some of those articles into a book. So that first series, three parts, Yes, You Can Write, the thrust of that being mostly encouraging and convincing people that uh, it's not magic, it's craft and work and and perseverance and and so forth. Is that a fair assessment? That's kind of the thrust? Of it, it is, yes. So I give away that book for free. So I use that as a kind of a lead magnet on Amazon and on my site. If you visit my site, you can, you can get that book. So it, it, it has all the encouragement and kind of mindset advice that new writers, you know, sometimes need to here, the stuff I wish I'd heard when I started writing about perfectionism <laughs> and fear of what people will think of your work. And then the second book is all about how to actually get stuff done as, uh-huh. a, as a writer. Uh, and then the third book is all about writing your first nonfiction book. Now, I specifically pick nonfiction because I, I, I write nonfiction, mm-hmm. um, which I know is probably a bit of a, a divergence for, for your audience. Um, but I, I guess there is t- you can buy the books individually, too. How how much crossover do you think there is from the nonfiction, how to write nonfiction book that applies to fiction? So the process is the same. You, you still got to turn up uh, every morning and produce your thousand words or 500 words or 2000 words, whatever it is. Still got to hit hit your deadline with your first draft, get an editor, um, go through revisions, get feedback and publish mm-hmm. it. That, that doesn't change across any genre. Um, in terms of the books itself, um, all books have follow a particular format or have a particular structure like the triac structure that's used in genre fiction um, and it's also used in non-fiction so so that's similar too and then the writing process is the same it's one part creativity and it can be another part planning and figuring out what's next for your for your author career it's just the specifics of what you're trying to say or mm-hmm. what stories you're trying to express so for me it could be you know business stories or stories about creativity whereas for for somebody who's writing a crime book you know they're, they're telling a captivating thriller story that's going to hook readers um, but you're still following some of the basic principles of storytelling if you want to satisfy your readers. Now that first book is free on your site, so you're already giving that away. Uh, I don't want you to, co- I don't want to coax you to give away any more. But maybe as a little bit of a tease, when you talk about productivity in that second book, um, what is maybe the number one thing that people can learn about when they read that book that will help increase their productivity, or is there any one thing? It really depends on uh, what issues a new writer is struggling with i suppose the biggest issue is if somebody says that they want to write a book or they want to build a you know a blog or write a novel or tell a story they might put off writing on monday because they have a busy day at work and then on tuesday you know something happens with their family then on wednesday you know they might have football practice or training or whatever it is so then they'll sit down on saturday and try to write for three or four hours and they'll find it really exhausting and difficult it's kind of like going to the gym when you haven't worked out in uh in weeks you're not gonna be able to do it so far better to just start small, you know, don't aim to write just 15 minutes in the morning before work or after work, uh, just try and hit 300 words. Um, anybody can fit that in. You just need to rearrange your morning a little bit or your evening. If you do that for five or six days, you'll have produced 1500 to 2000 words. You'll probably go over because some days will go better than others. And if you do that for a month, you will have uh, several thousand words. And if you do it for three months, you'll have a first draft that you can get feedback on. But you also have a writing habit and not one that feels exhausting and that takes over your weekends. So that'd be my number one takeaway. Start small. Start small and build a habit. Once you have a writing habit, you you can tackle novels, you can tackle a series, you can Mm -hmm. tackle blogging. Um, That's all it takes. Uh, Writers sometimes forget that they can do something that's actually quite difficult to do, which is to tell stories and express themselves through the written word. And to those who don't write, as in the people who are not listening to the show, uh, it can be a little bit mystifying. It's a bit like watching somebody code some software. 
you know, it takes practice and discipline and sometimes writers forget that. So if you have a, have a habit, you're taking your natural storytelling abilities and putting them to good use. Yeah, I guess I guess writing a book is uh, something that's always on everyone's bucket list. People say things like I have a book inside of me, but only only a few people actually go and turn that into into a book that, that, that they'll publish and invest in and spend time talking about and promoting. And I guess, I mean, if you're going to write a book, you know, it's fine to write one book and move on. You don't have to commit to becoming an author for the rest of your life. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you ask yourself at the start of a project, is it just one book and one story that you want to tell? Or do, do you want to write a series of crime thriller books? Do you want to try a genre and then try a different genre? Are you writing for money? Are you writing for connection? Are you writing to make an impact? Figuring all of those things out, should, you know, you can do some of it before you start your book. And some some of those things you'll only figure out after you've written your book or attempted to write one. But if you started one, I would say do, do try and get it to a point where you show it to an editor and publish it because it's easier than ever to do today. And even if you don't earn much money, you'll still get some valuable feedback about the writing process that you can use for some future creative project, whatever that is. And there's a legacy element to it as well. I mean, even if you don't have a book, you know, even if you only write one book and it doesn't sell hugely, you know, you, you have children and grandchildren that, and, and extended family that may pick it up at some point. And one thing about reading somebody's writing is that you get to know something about that person, uh, that you may not have otherwise known or otherwise connected with. And so, you know, there's always that element to it there. Um, now, you're not just writing about writing, however. Uh, your newest book, I, I don't think anybody's going to be surprised to hear what it's about when they hear the title. And the title is, uh, I Can't Believe I'm a Dad. That's that's the book, yes. <laughs> so after interviewing all, all of the uh, storytellers, the talented storytellers, I figured, you know, I want to write something that's not a business book or not a book about the craft maybe I should try and put some of these storytelling techniques I've learned to good use so I wanted to write something creative and I started writing this particular book during the lockdown in 2020 um it was a fun book to write I I didn't I didn't write it like to to you know sell thousands of copies or to build a business in some way I just wanted to tell stories about parenting all of the stories that I wish I'd known before our first son was born some 16 years ago something people a guy would have told me over a pint of beer not something I would have read in a medical textbook. So what I did is I, I went through all journal entries and, and turned them into uh, publishable stories. And then I figured out takeaways for each one of those stories. And then I figured out an arc for the book and then edited it all together. Um, and the result was, was I can't believe I'm a dad. So it was definitely one of the more, kind of more fun books I've written over the years. So moms have what to expect when you're expecting. And now dads can, <laughs> can read. I can't believe uh, I'm a dad. Being a dad is a great thing. And do you have uh, boys, girls? Uh, I do. I have t- three kids. I have a 16-year-old son, a 11-year-old daughter, and a three-year-old mm-hmm. who uh, delayed our podcast interview by, by three minutes because <laughs> he was looking to be put to bed. <laughs> it, is, it is fun as a father to have both daughters and sons and experience. Uh, you know, they're all individuals, of course, but but the genders do sometimes have different uh uh, sorts of behaviors that you get to experience as, as a dad. So I think it uh, it's something a lot of people can identify with. And if you're getting ready to be a dad, this sounds like the perfect book. Yeah. Yeah. So you can find a book on Amazon. I can't believe I'm a dad. Or you can simply go to my site, become a writer today, click on the books tab on the top menu, and that'll take you to, to, to my books store that I've used to sell books direct. The website is very navigable, uh, very attractive, easy to get around. Become a writer today.com. So you're, you're, you're writing about 
becoming a writer, you're podcasting, interviewing writers, and, and then writing that you can't believe you're a dad, a, a, a great book for, for new dads and dads who want to be a little nostalgic. What's next? What's going to keep on keeping on? Or is there a different project as well in, in on the horizon? Uh, there's always a different project. Uh, I guess what's next is I'm finalizing the audiobook for I Can't Believe I'm a Dad. So I narrated it myself. I hired out an audio studio and that was fun to narrate. Um, and in terms of the site, yeah, I'm kind of hiring writers to, to write articles about the craft um, who know more about different areas of writing that I don't know as much about. Um, and I'll probably continue to, to interview other authors about their writing process and you know pick up takeaways that hopefully help listeners. So if you are an author listening and then you want a great resource, uh, you know, we had uh, uh, Vicki Carter on a, a few episodes ago, the author's librarian. Uh, and here's another great opportunity to uh, get some information from a variety of sources. Uh, Brian Collins podcast, Become a Writer Today. Uh, and just one more time, Brian, where can people go to uh, get the uh, podcast episodes and your books? Visit becomearitertoday.com and you can also type in Become a Writer Today into iTunes or Overcast or Stitcher or Spotify. If you want to hear an interview with Frank, look for December the 13th. <laughs> the title is <laughs> Writing Police Procedurals. <laughs> so uh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of fun. I've been interviewed a number of times and I, uh, I enjoyed the interview so much. I, I wanted to have you on the show, even though you don't write crime fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, thanks for stopping by, Brian, and uh, good luck to you with the rest of your endeavors. Same to you. All right, folks, there you go. Brian Collins. Very interesting stuff. I hope you enjoyed that. If you are a writer, uh, you know, check out the podcast. And I think you'll find that pretty much every episode, there is something to gain uh, from listening to it. On our next episode of Wrong Place, Right Crime, we're going to talk to Dan Bronson. Uh, Dan has worked uh, for many years in the film industry, uh, and so he has a lot of great stories. This was a situation where I couldn't bring myself to cut uh, a number of conversations that we had. So even though it's an open and shut episode, it is a little bit longer. So be ready for that. Uh, it's worth it, I promise. Uh, in addition to being in the film industry and having some uh, really cool tales to tell on that count, uh, Dan's also an author and has written a hard-boiled noir detective novel uh, set during the golden age of movie making. And we're going to talk to him about that as well. A little bit of a Zafiro update for you. As many of you know, I created and edit the novella anthology series, A Grifter Song, that is published by Down and Out Books. We are in season four now. The first two episodes of that season, Dracula Wine by David Housewright and Diamond Dogs by Gabriel Valjean are both available. And on the first of March, we're going to get the third episode of this season, Dusty and Bent by Trey R. Barker. Now, just as the first two episodes this season were very different from each other, uh, this one is as well. So that's Dusty and Bent by Trey R. Barker, and it'll be out on March 1st. Also wanted to let you know that I have reissued my novel, The Trade-Off, in heavily revised form and have melded it into the River City universe. It is now a River City novel. Uh, if you liked Some Degree of Murder or Chisholm's Debt, that little bit of extra background uh, outside of the main series but still canon, uh, that's what you're getting here in The Trade-Off. And that's uh, available digitally and in paperback. And lastly, 
The Charlie 316 series that I wrote with uh, Colin Conway now has a box set for the first four books, the entire Tyler Garrett saga, Charlie 316, Never the Crime, Badge Heavy, and the finale, Code 4, all in that box set. And although it hasn't been officially announced yet, I will say that you might see some more stories in that universe before too long. All right. I want to say a thank you to Brian Collins for coming on the show and for his podcast and all he does to support authors. If uh, anything he talked about during this interview interests you, please check out his website, check out his podcast. Thanks to Down Out Books for sponsoring the show. And as always, I want to thank you, the listener, for being here, for listening to Brian, listening to me, and uh, just spending your valuable time with Wrong Place or Right Crime. I'll be back next week to talk to Dan Bronson. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crime. Thank you.